around here, it's harvest time. The nights are starting to get randomly cooler, although we're in a heat wave again right now because it's the end of August. September always brings some sort of heat wave as well, right around our anniversary, which is right at the beginning of fall, end of summer. But in my garden, I see a lot of different stages of each of my plants right now. And this is a busy, busy time of year. So what am I to do to balance all of the harvest, all of the not yets, and real life? Stay tuned. Thanks for joining another episode of Imperfect Parenting with a Perfect God. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That sounds amazing to me. How about you, friends? Doing this parenting thing alone is hard, but the great news is that we are not alone. We have an amazing, perfect God who can guide us, carry us, take our burdens, and give us rest when we are weary. His burden is light, but the joys of parenting are many, and He has made you the parent of your children on purpose. So let's see what God has to share with us today. Thanks for joining me. August is Mental Health Awareness Month. We have such a huge rise in mental health issues right now, especially among children, and it completely breaks my heart. That's why I created Comfort Creatures. They are cute little fuzzballs with beautiful, sparkling eyes. They're slightly weighted, and they're just a fun little critter to keep with them to help them to feel safe, to um, to be able to feel and play with. They're like a fidget toy or security. Uh, it's a beautiful, they're just so cute. They can keep them in their pockets. They can bring them with them wherever they go. They can tell them their worries. When I was younger, I had these little worry dolls and I would tell them my worries. And I feel like it was a great way to learn how to pray. And these comfort creatures are just that. They're a great tool to teach kids how to pray, but it gives them something tactile and physical, something to look at. But they can imagine that God is listening to them while they're talking to their little critter, their little comfort creature. They come in a variety of colors. They are all the softest fur, faux fur, that you can imagine, and they're just so sweet. They come packaged with an adoption certificate so they can name them and they can become part of the family. There's also an additional calm breathing kit that can be added to this package for just a couple of dollars. And it gives them a couple of techniques so that when they start getting anxious and overwhelmed, if they tend to get shortness of breath because of anxiety, this is a great tool to add on to give them a couple of ways to treat the anxiety and help to learn to calm themselves down. But this this epidemic has really broken my heart and I just felt like this was my little way to help. So check them out at our Etsy store, Izzy Drew Lane, 
is the name of the store. You can go to etsy.com slash forward slash shop forward slash Izzy Drew Lane. That's I-Z-Z-Y-D-R-E-W Lane. I'll put the link in the show notes for your reference, but check them out. And while you're there, check out the slime kits that my girls are making. They're scented and they're fun and they're another tactile activity that the kids can make and keep with them in their nice sturdy storage case and play with for months. So enjoy it, check it out, and I hope you find comfort in my creatures. For those of you who don't garden, listen up. You might learn something here. I don't know if I'm the one to teach you about this, but we'll see. And for those who do garden, don't judge me on on my gardening techniques because I am still learning, forever learning how to do the right thing. But in the in the early spring, I, you start getting excited. It's time to start getting the beds ready and planting the seeds. And then I have a hoop house that I can plant seeds early. So it's like a little mini greenhouse. So, but first thing I need to do is make sure my, <clears throat> excuse me, make sure my soil is ready. Make sure I have a good layer of mulch ready to go on top of everything to protect it, to keep it, to keep it uh, moist for watering and so that the sun doesn't burn everything to a crisp. It's really exciting time. It's a lot like when you are thinking about getting pregnant or maybe you're pregnant already and or maybe you've already brought that baby home it's very exciting all the potential is there all the dreams all the imagination of what's to come all the just all the plans that we lay ahead and things we've prepared for you've got the nursery you've got the diapers you've got the clothes ready and folded um, you get everything ready including your mind and your soul and your heart you're ready to be a parent or at least you think you are. <laughs> you're confident. You're ready. It's going to be okay. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And maybe that's you who's not a gardener either. <laughs> not that you have to be a gardener to be a parent. I'm not saying that. But let's uh, let's stick with the garden theme here. So you get your plants in, whether you, you buy seedlings from, from local nurseries or you plant them yourself. However it works. And they start to grow. As soon as they start to grow, you're like, yes, I did a good thing with the soil. I'm watering them properly. Excellent. They're growing. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They look good. I'm taking care of them regularly. I'm remembering to water them. I'm feeding them. And making sure that they have proper care. I'm very diligent about it. They're, t- they're tiny. They're manageable. The weeds haven't started seeping through. Everything is good awesome. It's going to be a good gardening year. Well, fast forward maybe a month and maybe you've forgotten to water them a few times too many and they're starting to wilt. So you go, okay, I'll I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Okay. So you water them again, you feed them and they perk back up, which is awesome. And then you get out there and you start weeding while it's easy to weed and um, they, they look good. They, they're not being choked out. They're, they've got all the soil to themselves. They're not sharing soil nutrients with weeds that are unnecessary. Maybe you're pruning your tomatoes so that only the best things grow um, for your fruit so you can have the best yield of fruit possible. Tomatoes I've, I've learned a lot about, so I'm probably going to speak about tomatoes a lot here. But 
um, they get big. They start taking over the garden. And next thing you know, they're bigger than you thought they would be. Maybe you planted them too closely. Maybe they're pulling the weight of the cages or stakes or rope down, which is what's been going on with my garden this year. My tomatoes are huge, which is awesome, but uh, it, my supports cannot handle them, including my cherry tomatoes. They're going everywhere. They're going wild. And let me tell you something. I haven't weeded my garden in about two months. And so there's just weeds everywhere, but they're still growing and they're still producing fruit. But I'm just thinking, man, what else could I have done? What, what could I have prevented? So when they start producing fruit, I kind of relax in the garden. I think, okay, good. Everything is working. Okay. So I just keep watering it keep feeding it and that's fine. But I don't weed and I am not watchful for infestation of the um the things that could destroy my fruit and i think oh wow no no green hornworms this year that's awesome i've not had a year where i haven't had those this is great and next thing you know i am face to face with a giant five inch one inch round green hornworm and i'm thinking oh thought i was free of that okay then I have to look for others and I have to get rid of them. And I do, but then I'm, now I have to be on watch again. I'm like, okay, where are you? Where are you? Every day I go out looking for them, looking for them. I'm still not weeding because at this point it's just useless because there's no way I could get I can't even get to the weeds anymore because the plants are so big. Because I've neglected the weeding before and at this point it's like, well, whatever. They're, they're producing fruit. It's fine. Yeah. Well, it's not fine because those weeds also introduce those um, predators. So then I look and I look and think I've got all the green hornworms. Those things are the same color as the leaves. So they're really hard to find. So you have to look for evidence. Anyway, so now I'm high, on high alert. Well, this year I grew Brussels sprouts and I've never grown Brussels sprouts before. Uh, I've done broccoli and it's the same family. And so I did broccoli this year and had an amazing broccoli crop this year. In fact, it's still producing, although it's kind of wonky. But all of a sudden, next thing I know, my, my broccoli and my Brussels sprouts are being eaten alive. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Well, I had an infestation. Wasn't prepared for it. Hadn't read up on it. I ran out of neem oil, so and I never got more. So I had nothing to protect them. I hadn't taken any preventative measures. I wasn't ready. And so now I'm on defense, finding all these little itty bitty tiny green worms and their eggs, which is a big pain in the butt. Looking up remedies, ways I can do it without using massive chemicals, because I don't like to use those on my food. I'm one of those. And doing everything I can to get rid of these awful things and then prevent them from coming back. Well, I did, but it was a heck of a lot of work. And in fact, I was worried that what I did to take care of it actually killed my plant. I was worried because it didn't look so great. My broccoli, thought I thought it was dead. I thought it was gone. In fact, I started pulling up one of my plants thinking, oh, well, I may as well just take them all out. Luckily, I didn't have enough time to do all of them because what ended up happening is a few days later, the preventative measures that I took... Well, they were kind of a combination of defense and preventative worked and they started growing again. They started looking good. My Brussels sprouts were starting to get bigger again on the, on the vine 
And I was like, yes, I'm getting Brussels sprouts. I've never done this. This is a miracle in itself. Um, and But I'm still now on high alert for the worms that could destroy them again. I don't want to lose my crop again because I've worked really hard to keep everything alive and going and learning how to raise these new vegetables that I've never done before. The tomatoes I've done, I knew what to look for. I knew what to expect. I still got a little lazy, but I, I was ready with the answer to solve the problem, to invest my time, to help to do what I needed to do to get rid of the problem and prevent it going forward. So why am I telling you about gardening when this is a parenting podcast? Well, let me tell you why. I was pondering it this morning and I was thinking it's, it is a lot like raising children. You know, you it's new and exciting at the beginning. You're preparing and you're doing everything you can, doing all the right things, what you think are the right things. You're staying on alert. You're ready for anything you think. <laughs> um... But then after they get to a certain point in life, maybe maybe you just kind of back off a little. You give them space. Maybe, maybe you give them too much space. Am I, and you question everything you're doing. Am I doing the right thing? Am I investing the right amount of time? Am I, am I teaching them scripture? Um, am I making them go to church? Should I make them go to church? You know, when they get to those teenage years, which I'm in the thralls of right now, a lot of parents back off and um, pull their authority away. Not completely, but... They pull a lot of authority away because they don't want to hinder their teen. They know their teen needs to start making their own choices and becoming independent. I mean, after all, they're almost adults. And I, I agree. I, you, there are some, time, some places and things where they do need to start failing and falling on their own to get back up and learn from their mistakes because you just don't want them to do that out in the real world and have the consequences be that much more dire. But... Here's what I want to encourage you with. Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And when I read that scripture this morning, I thought of my garden and I thought, if I, when I, when I grow weary in doing the right thing for my garden, I have problems. Weeds come in. Um, predators come in. Uh, I get disease or um, they dry up, they wilt, they die. All the work I did um, doing all the right things is useless. It goes to waste. It goes to weed. And um, it's just not, it makes all the effort I put into it feel like it's just not worth it. And that there's no way to save it, which is not true. I've been able to do it. I, you know, when you start noticing things. But I'm thinking about teenagers, and I do this too. We often, because they're so self-sufficient, forget that they still need us. They do. They still need us. And even if you don't have teenagers yet, even if you are the one who just brought home that baby, I want you to remember this for when they get older. When they become teenagers, they still need us because they're on the brink of becoming adults. And you know that whole adage, oh, adulting is hard. Well, it's true. Adulting is hard. And if they don't have a strong foundation and they don't have help forming what's next and preparing their hearts and building that foundation of faith and creating good habits as older children, they're going to go into the world 
just flailing without and they're on their own, you know, and um, they may not feel like they can come to you. I don't know. I haven't gotten to that point yet. I'm hoping that my kids will always know they can come to me, but I won't know that until they're out there in the world. So when I find my si- myself and my husband um, not being diligent with them and just kind of letting them be to their own devices, there ends up being inevitably some issue, some disciplinary issue, some character issue that we have to deal with. Um, where it's where it's like a defense, like it's almost like the aphids are coming in, and we need to figure out how to get rid of this these aphids. What is going on? And it's going to take more time than it would have taken to just stay the path, not grow weary in doing good, because parenting is exhausting. It's easy to grow weary in parenting, right? But we have to stay diligent. They're only with us for eighteen, what feels like long when you're in the thick of it, but short truly in the in the big scheme of things. They're only with us for 18 years. I mean, sure, some of them stick around longer than that. But when they hit 18, I mean, they're kind of, they can make their own decisions. They can do what they think is best for them without you stepping in and going, eh, 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 no. Uh, I mean, you can do that. Depends on your kid, how they're going to react. But do you remember when you were 18? Remember that mentality? Oh, I'm 18. I'm free. I can be an adult and I can do my own thing. Well, but it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. <laughs> You're still only 18, and maybe you need some guidance from people who have been 18 before. So it's not the time to step back. Definitely not the time to step back. And I know, again, when we step back from our teens for too long, we see issues. Sometimes they're little, sometimes they've grown so big that we're like, where did this come from? Oh, we we haven't been investing in them as much as we used to because when they're little, they need us for everything. And we're always with them and always um, guiding them and, and disciplining them or, sh- or sh- um, shepherding them in every which way they go because they need that. But it's, it's easy to be way too hands-off when they become teens. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Now, I'm not doing this because I'm worried about myself being shamed. But what did that child do to bring the shame? That's what I'm worried about. That's what I'd like to help them prevent, to guide them in a way that is healthy, safe, smart, and God-honoring. And I want to continue that through their teen years. Because this is when they're going to figure out who they are, or at least who they are now. Like, they're, they're forming those opinions now. And it's obviously not going to be who they're going to be forever. We all know we change over time with experience and life and wisdom. But right now, they think they know everything. And they're going to use that against us, for us, who knows. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And they're still children. It's easy for them to... Let go of self-control. Be completely self-centered. It's what teenagers are really good at. They forget that there are others in the world a lot of time. But we're there to remind them. We're there to remind them that life does not revolve around them. It is this world. We revolve around the sun, not them. And God is meant to be the center of our life and our soul, not them. 
I started doing this when my kids were younger and in church. I remember there was a, a phase for me where I didn't want to go to church because it felt useless to me because I would go to church and during worship, all I would do was have to deal with them. They would bug me for everything and nothing important. And once in a while, it was to go to the bathroom. Um, but Or they would fight and argue and just not either focus on worship or keep to themselves and you know do something quiet while the rest of us wanted to spend time with Jesus. So I got to a point where I, was, I started disciplining them for interrupting my time with Jesus because I wanted them to see that time with Jesus was of the utmost importance. And what they needed me for was nowhere near as important as that. And they needed to learn that Jesus comes first and that they are not the center of my universe, but Jesus is. So I slowly taught them that. It took me a while to come to the realization of that's a thing. Oh, I can discipline my children. I don't have to like always be like on them or catering to them during worship time. I can actually tell them no to not right now. You need to just listen to me. Oh, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> I thought that I had to cater to them and constantly discipline them. Um, but instead, I learned. You know, we all live and learn in parenting. That's part of the process. And it was so much more freeing. But yeah, I didn't want to go to church because I would go to church. All I would do is discipline or cater to my children during worship. And then I would teach Sunday school. So it was like, I know church isn't always about me getting about me either, but I wasn't getting to pour my heart out to God, pour my heart out to Jesus, worship him corporately, and then learn from my pastor, be fed. I was feeding, but I wasn't being fed and it was really draining. So I had to do something about it. But at this point in their lives, they now need to learn how to put him first. And they're not going to do that on their own. We can't leave them to their own devices because their heart is full of folly. And we need to help them to learn about that, that truth. I mean, now when they're teenagers, you can talk to them about that and say, listen, you know, we as humans, you know, we're, we're broken and imperfect and we're going to sin. And because we have this folly bound up in us, if we don't break free from it, we don't learn self-control to say no to it then we're going to have some real problems in our lives. And that's our job as, as parents of teenagers to continue to work through the folly in their heart and help them to be self-aware of that. They're fully self-aware of a lot of things, but they are not fully, they're not self-aware of that. That takes us. That takes our word, our truth, investing our time, helping them to stay in the word Get them prepared for life because they're going to need Jesus in this life. This life is hard without Jesus. I did it for 25 years without Jesus. And I'm telling you, those were the worst years. Just being alone all the time. Having felt like, felt like I had no one, even though I know technically I did. Uh, I just felt very lonely. It was a very lonely 25 years. It really was. And even when I became a Christian, I didn't know how to spend time with Jesus. So I was still pretty lonely, even though I kind of you know, intellectually knew he was there. It just took a while to learn. And I needed somebody to teach me because I didn't have somebody in my childhood to teach me. But my kids do. They have us to teach them. And so they already have that gift. 
of how to spend time with Jesus, how to study his word. And that's something we can give them. That is the greatest gift we can give them is to teach them how to live out their faith because they're going to do that for the rest of their lives, not under our roof. And they need, they need that foundation before they go. And we can't just leave them when they're teens to figure it out. They've got enough issues as teenagers. They don't need that to be a confusion. That should be the clearest thing they have is how to live out their faith because everything else is going to be really confusing and hard, especially nowadays in this messed up world we live in. Uh, it's just utterly crazy right now. They need that more than ever now than, they, than any human has ever needed it. Uh, it, it. It scares me, frankly, but I know that my kids are getting what they need in, in Jesus. And so I'm trusting him completely, putting them in. I still put that literally physically in my mind. Oh, I guess that's not physical. It's mentally. <laughs> Sorry. But I actually work it out physically with my hands. I'm a hand talker. I will literally put my hands out and say, okay, God, they're still yours. Because I have to remind myself that I have given them up to him. I'm not given up. But I've given them up to him to say, they are yours first. You know them better than I do. I need your help in this. What's the next thing? What am I doing in this situation? What should I change? How can I do better myself to be a better example, to discipline this out, to grow them closer to you? What, what can I do? What's my role? How can I partner with you, God, in raising these humans so that they worship and serve you? and that they know you and continue a relationship with you. I still go to him with that constantly because I've learned that doing, not doing that is the worst thing in parenting, not partnering with God because I'm, uh, I'm completely imperfect and I don't know what I'm doing all the time. Half the time it's a guess, and I'm sure you know that as, as well as I do. Half the time it's like an experiment, like let's see how this goes. <laughs> and then maybe we're backtracking. But the reward is later on, we will get to say that we have no greater joy than to hear that our children are walking in the truth. Don't you want to be able to say that? Oh, I do. I picture myself an old lady and saying that. And I hope I don't have to wait that long. But just even now, knowing that my kids um, have been baptized, they've chosen Jesus. I mean, that's a step towards this beautiful, beautiful thing. And that's scripture, by the way. That's 3 John 1, 4. I think of Timothy, who was a young pastor, and Paul was writing to him. And Paul emphasized his childhood upraising and the training he received from his mother and grandmother. The women in his life raised him to know scripture, built his strong foundation so that he could partner with Paul in leading a church. Even at a young age, he was able to do that because he had a strong foundation and he desired Jesus and he wanted others to desire Jesus. So cool. He wouldn't have gotten to make that decision if he didn't have that strong foundation in scripture and the wisdom of God and the support of his mother and grandmother, of his family at home, knowing that they're probably praying for him, that they stay in the word, that they believe they put it as priority they set that example for him and they didn't let him off to his own devices. So, so 
I got, I've got a little scripture joke here for you. I just thought this was hilarious when I was researching some scripture for this particular podcast, and I came across this, and I thought, well, isn't this just the way we all feel sometimes? So it is very tiring parenting sometimes, but it is also extraordinarily joyful and beautiful, and that outweighs anything else because we get a glimpse of what it feels like to be um, God the Father. We get that glimpse of um, having our own children and knowing that our hearts are full. That's how God feels about us. But sometimes when they get going with their folly, we, well, we want to, we want to do things. So I just thought this was really funny that God put this in the Bible to remind us not to do those things. Proverbs nineteen eighteen, guys, <laughs> discipline your son for there is hope. See, there's hope. Isn't that awesome? Do not set your heart on putting him to death. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. It's like, well, God, you know our hearts and our minds. You know that we're joking, but it, that just, I just thought that was funny. Because sometimes don't we feel like, man, urgh! not that we really want to do that. But I found that hilarious that God would put that in the Bible. <laughs> anyway, remember not to grow weary in doing good. Your children, like your garden, need constant tending, constant vigilance. You need to be watchful. You need to be involved. You can't just step back and let everything happen on its own because it's not going to work out so well for you or them, especially them. And in parents of youngers, just remember that. Keep that in mind as you go forward because in a blink of an eye, you're going to be there. I know everyone says it, but it's absolutely true. And I'm loving every minute of it. I'm loving watching my daughter's about to get her driver's license this week. She's got her car. We just have to fix a couple things on it. Well, she does. She's working with someone to fix it, which is awesome for her. So um, when she gets that license, I, I think I'm more excited than she is. I really do because I'm going to drive so much less, <laughs> which is awesome for me. Um, and I think she's excited because she's got that little bit of freedom that she has earned over the years because we trust her. So it's an exciting week around here and our teenagers. Um, and school started two weeks ago here for us. And so we're in the thick of it. Pray for me. <laughs> Preparing for you. Heavenly Father, Thank you for reminding us to be diligent in our parenting, even through the teen years. Thank you for reminding us that they still need us to guide them towards you. They need reminders and they, they need to not have as much freedom as they think they, they should have um, because they are still children and they still have folly in their hearts. And we can guide them through this and into adulthood. And I thank you for giving us that chance to, to know what your heart is like for us because we have that heart for our children. Thank you for making us parents and grandparents. Thank you so, so much for that gift that cannot be duplicated. There's just nothing else like it in the world. You are amazing and I love you. And I pray that those listening would remember to stay in the word, stay with you, build that relationship, rely on you for everything, and especially parenting. Partnering with you is the best decision I've ever made. And I pray that each one of these folks listening has done the same thing and is on that path. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Have an amazing week, you guys, and I'll talk to you later. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode of Imperfect Parenting with a Perfect God. I am so glad that you joined us today. This is so much fun to be able to encourage you and remind you that God loves you and wants to partner with you in your parenting journey. Remember, he made you the parent of your kids on purpose. If you like this episode, please, please take time to rate and review it so that other people can find this podcast as well. I'd really appreciate it. And I think so would other people who get to be blessed by this. And share it with friends and family that you think it would bless too. Let's spread the word and let people know that God loves them and wants to be with them each and every day in their parenting journey. Thanks for stopping by and I hope you join us next week.